from the dead, that we, you would bring your new life to life in our lives. And we pray this through our risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Do we have contact? I could keep on preaching just like I was in China, where you just have to speak louder. So our gospel story today, which is Mark's original first ending, is so disorienting that preachers often avoid preaching it on Easter morning. In fact, I avoided preaching on it for 15 years and only preached on it for the very first time three years ago. But dear friends, I believe that it holds hidden treasures for us, and so I invite you to turn in your insert now to Mark's original ending of his gospel. And if you find it helpful, you can follow along. 
verse 1, when the Sabbath is over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bring spices so that they might anoint Jesus. These three women, you'll remember, were already at the cross when Jesus dies. The Roman Empire routinely uses this brutal and very public way of killing people in order to fill the local population with maximum terror and submission. Jesus' death to these three women means not only that he's dead, but that their movement of compassion and justice and reconciliation has also come to a terrible end. And so what I want you to understand here in this story right now at this juncture is that we are meeting, we are seeing three highly, highly traumatized people. They've lost their teacher. Their movement is done. You see, just like the students at Parkland, like folks in the inner cities of Baltimore and Chicago, and now this last week in Sacramento, these women have seen and heard unspeakable things. And still, they come bringing spices to anoint the dear body of their beloved teacher. Verse 2, and very early on the first day of the week, on the first day of the week, when the sun has risen, they go to the tomb. Notice how Mark highlights this happening on the very first day of the week. The same day in the creation story when God says, let there be light. On Easter morning, God's new creation is beginning. The reconciliation of all things to God through Christ. Verse 3. They've been saying to one another, who's going to roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? Notice how they are still only focused on death. And rolling away a stone that's much too large for even just three of them, or even three of them to roll away. Verses 4 and 5, they see that the stone has already been rolled back. As they enter the tomb, they see a young man. They see a young man, younger than our dear Titus. (laughs) Dressed in a white robe. And they're all terrified. Now, in the Gospel of Matthew, the one in the tomb is identified as an angel. And so we're quick to assume the same thing here in Mark. But in Mark, it most definitely says a young man. And in Greek, just like English, a young man and an angel are not the same word. In Mark, very intriguingly, there's also one other mention of a young man. It comes 
three nights earlier in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is being arrested. There is a young man who, when he flees from Jesus' captors, has his robe torn off and he runs away naked into the night. Picture that. Many commentators believe that this is the same young man in both places. And that he is none other, this is when it gets really interesting, he is none other than Mark himself, the author of this gospel. He represents all the disciples who have abandoned Jesus in his hour of need. Those who run away in fear are now welcomed back to become the messengers of the resurrection of their Lord. And if God still loves these doubters and deserters, then there's great hope and a whole lot of work for all of us doubters and waverers as well. We don't have to be sure and certain about everything. All we have to do is take that next faithful step. And since Parkland, we've been hearing this a lot in worship, we've been marveling together about what young people can actually do when everyone else who is older, myself included, only feels numb resignation and fear. Young people, young people, young people are helping us to hope again. They're helping us to imagine a world where death and violence don't keep having their way in this world. Amen? Amen. They are helping us to hope that change might be possible. Verse 6, the young man... The young man says to them, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He has been raised. He's not here. And folks, 2,000 years later, we're still... We're still trying to take in, to contemplate all the implications of God raising Jesus from the dead. It means it means that God has vindicated his nonviolent life, his teachings, his forgiveness on the cross. It means the powers and the principalities, the empires of evil and death and sin have been defeated. They are broken powers. 
It means that God's reconciling, reconciling love is the supreme power of the universe. And that's no April Fool's joke. Here we see the sheer toughness of God's covenantal love. I will be your God. You will be my people. Jesus takes upon Himself all of our violence and sin and brutality and shows us that through it and beyond it, God's steadfast love endures forever. God's bond of love with us, though we may fall away, cannot be broken. This is love that death cannot contain or hold in its power. Verse 7, but go, go, go. Remember that last year? Tell Jesus' disciples and Peter. (laughs) Well, that's a sideways poke in the ribs. Go tell the disciples and Todd that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Just as he told you. And Galilee, of course, is not about geography, but about costly discipleship and mission. Our Lord, our risen Lord, sets us all free to do more with our lives than just try to protect them. Did you hear that? Our Lord does, sets us free to do more with our lives than just protect them. His resurrection fills us with the courage to take the risks that His love requires. And His resurrection also shows us that whatever we risk for the love of God, for the love of neighbor, for the love of enemy, God will resurrect In the end, God will raise it up. In Galilee, it's also a promise. Everyone who takes up the risk of being one of Jesus' disciples in the world, who takes up their cross, will meet the risen Jesus. And he has chosen to make the hungry, the vulnerable in our world, the poor, the special portals of his risen presence. Whenever we go to Galilee, we join others in our world who are moving toward those in places of injustice and misery. And our Lord promises to meet us there. Verse 8, so they flee from the tomb, for terror and amazement has seized them. They say nothing, nada, to anyone, 
for they are afraid. End of verse. End of chapter. End of Mark's original gospel. I invite you to just put your finger, if you will, on that last word in verse 8a, afraid. Just keep it there. Many decades later, it may have been centuries later, scribes will come come along who are copying this gospel for others, and they find this ending so disturbing, so scandalous, that they think they have something better to add to it. And so they add two different endings. The first one, you can see, is found in 8b. And the second one is found in verses 9 to 20. But friends, I'm standing here today saying, I just love Mark's original ending. Edgy, messy, true to the world that all of us live in. We're left asking, hey, are these women going to be stuck in their fear? Will we? Will they find their voices? We know they did. The global church is proof that they found their voices. But will we? Will they finally go up to Galilee, to meet the risen Jesus? Will we? You know, after Parkland, our resignation and fear in this land seemed almost all pervasive. But yet, just 38 days later, many of you here in this congregation We're standing out in Binns Park with 3,000 people. And the reports I heard from you is that it was a, a people, a gathering filled with hope. And my own family was standing out on Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. with a half a million other young people saying, enough is enough to our nation's epidemic of violence. Instead of just giving us a happily ever after ending, I believe in this gospel, this is where our dear Mark now picks up his pen, holds it up, and says to all of us, you now, all of you chestnutters, You take this pen and you write the ending to this gospel with your own lives. You write a resurrection story with your own lives. May it be so. Amen.